Are you ready for a wild and hilarious ride through world of crime? Then look no further because our podcast, Two Boxes of Wine and a Crime, is here. Join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, two ex-cons who love wine, coke, and crime, as we unravel cold case murder cases drunk off our ass. Each episode, we invite you to grab a box of wine, as we use Google, humor, and of course, cocaine, to crack the toughest unsolved crimes drunk off our ass. <laughs> From small town homicides to 9-11, we have it all figured out. Or at least we think we do. <laughs> Listen as the mystery deepens, the laughter gets louder, and of course, cocaine, and the wine starts flowing drunk off our ass in our entertaining, illegal, an unforgettable podcast. So join me, Tasha, and me, Trisha, on a coke-fueled journey to serve justice with two boxes of wine and a crime. Available now on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and tune in every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for new episodes. Drunk off our ass. <laughs> good, good. Uh, oh, let me just answer that. Hello? What is your favourite scary movie? That's a spoiler pod, but I'm not answering that. I am going to gut you like a fish. Oh, go away. <laughs> what have you just... I'm not in. All right, I don't want to talk about it. Hello? Siri, show oh. me results for how to gut a fish. Podbot, you've called back. <laughs> it's a bit intimidating. Podbot's getting a bit intimidating. Is this like part of her programming or is this the... I don't know. It's, ever since she went on the dark web, she's just been acting crazy. But, uh, oh my God, I bet you that's her now again. Hello? Hi, this is not Pod. Oh yeah, sure, okay. Is Will there, please? I know that's you, Podbot. <laughs> I wanted to ask him something. He's busy. Piss off. But Will, I'm a <laughs> Will, she wants to talk to you. Hi, Podbot. Hi, Will. What is your favourite scary movie? Stop and my mum will shoot. <laughs> oh my Easy. God. Have you checked the children? children. children. <laughs> Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? I'm gonna be a screenwriter. It's fear. They're all gonna laugh at you. I guess everyone's entitled one good scare, huh? You gotta be fucking kidding. It's a liar! What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I'm gonna be a screenwriter. Boo! <laughs> and welcome to the best bits. <laughs> a movie podcast where each week we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your psycho Kevin, a walking, talking, rootin' tootin' spellcasting corpse known to all in the seven realms of development hell, and I'm joined once again in this unholy dreaded abyss by the bastard son of a thousand maniacs, the late and irate ghost of Will Collins. Ah, be petrified. I have come to bring all sorts of pestilence and harm upon thee, like Kevin Oria. I'm rotten, but we're not. Yeah, but we're not alone down here, are we? Will oh, yeah, I can feel in the presence? There's, 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 there's someone. There's, is there someone behind me? We've got a fiendish friend with us. Oh yes, the Toronto Slayer herself, <laughs> a wretched, rancid. I'm, I'm really sorry about this. Known to some as film director Kate Dolan, whose film "You Are Not My Mother" just premiered at TIFF in the Midnight Madness section, but to us for tonight. She's known as Kate Goulin. Hello. <laughs> Hello Thanks Kate. for having oh, me God. here on your spooky Hi, podcast episode. 
Congratulations on TIFF. That's a fantastic achievement. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think Midnight Madness was always something that I, I, you know, movies that came out of that I was always kind of looking at and really enjoying the programs that premiere there. So it's it's kind of a dream come true, really, for your first feature. So that was very exciting. I don't know of many Irish films that have managed to sneak into the Midnight Madness section. Yeah, it's hard to sneak in. You have to go kind of around the back. <laughs> yeah. You have to yeah. stall just to keep it, get, yeah. keep it seasonal. Yeah. And for our listeners out there who might not know what the film is, can you give us a little brief synopsis? Well, the film is actually quite fitting. It's it's set at Halloween in Dublin. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, so it's about a teenage girl who... She lives with her mother and her grandmother and her mother is kind of suffering with mental health issues, but it's not really addressed in the family. And then one day her mum goes missing and she comes back a day later. Her behaviour becomes increasingly strange and frightening and it all kind of accumulates on Halloween night with our protagonist kind of having to face off against her mother. Wow. I love that it's set in Halloween because that's one of the two major holidays that Ireland has given the world. After Paddy's Day, Halloween is an Irish holiday. Completely. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. Yeah. Well, actually, Song of the Sea was set in, um, on Halloween, but we don't make a big deal out of it. But you're embracing the mood and the horror genre. Are you a, are you a <laughs> horror fan? Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're going to pick up the slack for me, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was making, I was going to make, so I was making my first feature and I in originally in the first few drafts, it wasn't set at Halloween. But then there was kind of this folk horror element. And then I, you know, Samhain is such a kind of spooky time in the pagan, you know, folk history that when spirits are kind of able to cross through between the other world and this world. Mm -hmm. Sam Hain for our American friends. (laughs) Sam Hain, yeah. What's this? It's gibberish. No. It's a Celtic word. Sam Hain. It means the Lord of the Dead. The end of summer. The festival of Sam Hain. The Festival of Samhain. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of, as we were working through the script, I was like, you know what? It has to be set at Halloween. I'm, I'm not, it's my first feature. I'm going to do that if I want. Yeah. So. Em- Amen. Embrace I love it. it. Embrace it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. I don't know what that was. Somebody just let a cat in here. Oh, my God. I was going to ask you, Kate, do you remember your earliest, like, scariest memory of what, of, for watching a film? Yeah, actually. Um, I was thinking about that the past couple of days I was just like kind of prepping myself for this yeah. there was kind of a few I think that because I think the nature of jump scares like as you get older and I think at, if you're a horror writer somebody who works in horror films you kind of get less affected by them because you can kind of see them coming a mile away mm. so I think the best ones are obviously the ones you kind of see b- before you're maybe like 10 or something like that so I think my first proper kind of spook was probably watching Jurassic Park, actually. Yes. 
There's this kind of a sequence where Ellie Sadler has to go back to turn on the electricity and they kind of set it up as being about the little boy on the fence and he needs to get down. So you're kind of distracted thinking that that's what this is about. And then basically she gets it on. Two. And then he gets thrown off the fence because the electricity goes and then she backs up and she's like, all the lights are coming on. Yeah. I think we're back in business. And then the raptor comes up right behind her. (laughs) Where did that raptor come from? It's like he comes out of the water. Yeah, he's kind of like behind her in like a in a cage thing. (laughs) And then she runs away, and then she like thinks that she's safe. And then there's kind of an extra little scare. Oh, Mr. Arnold! Because an arm comes on her shoulder. (laughs) Dismembered arm. Poor Samuel L. Jackson. And that's an extra. Those are great ones. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you saw that? I wouldn't have seen it in the cinema because I was only three when it came out. <laughs> Same. But uh, I did, I think I got to see it on VHS with my cousins in my granny's house. But we were obviously like thrilled and very scared by it, which is great. I think we should install a gong in the booth for every time Jurassic Park gets a mint. Now you're selling it. You're going to sell it. Because <laughs> it's amazing how they're seminal films. And for your generation, like it wasn't my generation, like every generation has their film. And it seems like, you know, your generation, like Jurassic Park was so important but that is that is a great jump scare yeah the last time i remember getting affected by a jump scare in the cinema was the ring remake okay right in what scene it's probably the only major jump scare in that movie right it's the moment in the ring when the opening scene is completed and the girl in the house has been killed and we're at the funeral and uh naomi watts is talking to her sister and the sister is sort of like in a state of complete shock and she turns around and she says to Naomi Watts I saw her face and it just does a, a quick cut to the door of the closet being opened and the daughter in the corner and her head like lolling forward and it's this grimace uh, of complete like decay and okay. but I remember every Muslim in my body just seized up and I thought oh fuck I am not ready for this movie and uh, yeah that's the last time that I can remember a jump scare really getting me because I do think that horror uh, it's a lot more effective on you when you're younger so I sort of have this yeah sort of um not just nostalgia but I miss the fact that I don't have that complete like cold sweat panic when watching a horror film that I used to get as a kid all the time where movies that know when I'd watch them again like the Blob remake they're they're fun they're exciting when I watched them as a kid they were fucking intense and it was just sick inducing where you didn't want to leave your feet off the couch because psychologically you just didn't feel safe unless you were curled up in a ball so um (laughs) it's amazing how movies can affect you one way as a kid and it sort of dissipates as you get older do you find you've gotten tired? You, I, you already said it, Kate. The more you watch in the genre, the more, I suppose, you you see the scares, you see the jump scares coming. Do you think, because I haven't seen your film yet, but do you have jump scares in your film? Yes, there's. I think there's about 
three or four jump scare mo like you know they're not they wouldn't be massive things with yeah. very small kind of cues here and there which when we've watched it with people who haven't seen it before they go like get a bit of a fright yeah. so i think you have to have one i think you have to have at least one do you know the science of the lambs is considered to be the only horror film to have won best picture at the oh, oscars yeah and it's a horror film that doesn't have any jump scares in it wow. yeah i was actually thinking about science lambs earlier and i was like surely it has one like a little something but i couldn't think of any yeah i yeah because i was the same i thought there's definitely been moments where i fucking jumped when i was watching that film and i went back to the moment where jodie foster is searching the garage and um, she has to crawl under and it's pitch dark and she's using her torch to sort of navigate around and she finds a head in a jar and in any mm. other horror movie or many horror movies that moment will come with mm. a stinger mm-hmm. it doesn't have that it just plays this very sorrowful sort of doom laden score and I suppose that's probably why it won the Oscar it didn't feel like a cheap gag The only thing, the only moment that I was thinking, maybe, but I think you're right, it's the same. It's, it's, in another film, it could have been a jump scare. It's when Hannibal Lecter has created his escape plan and he's basically swapped faces with one of the guards. Yeah. And we're in the ambulance driving away from the scene and they're working on him. And then all of a sudden, this man who was, who they thought was a, a badly mutilated guard just sits up and pulls the face off the reveal that it's Hannibal Lecter. 30 over 90. 90. Yeah, that's right, 90. Uh, pulse 84. We got him on lactated ringers running and uh, and the uh, patient is on 10 liters of oxygen. When I asked on Twitter what people's favourite jump scare was, there was a few people that took umbrage with that, basically because I think people, they sometimes sort of conflate that with cheap scares, you mm-hmm. know, like the fall scare. And I think mm. some people assume they're a way to uh, to prank the mm-hmm. audience, but I don't think they are that. But then if you have too many, or and, and I, will, I have a uh, qualifier for that, if you have basically what lies beneath number of jump scares, then, um, then it's just you ju- I. I just wanted to walk out of that film. I was in. I was in the test audience for what's what lies beneath. Even though it's not a horror film, it's mm. a thriller. And not only that, I Robert Zemeckis was sitting behind me. That's when cool. I was watching that film. How did you swing that? How did you join up being in the test mad, screen for that? Mad story. Um, I was in my first time ever out pure country bumpkin. First time ever out of the country. I went to San Francisco. Flew out on my own. So my first time ever on a plane, and I went across the world. And um, uh, we had good crack and I was just going to the cinema one day and there was a guy just saying, anyone want to come to a test screening next weekend? And I went, oh, yes, please. So we were just like, I got my buddies to come along with me and we were just wondering and anticipating what the hell the film was. And um, uh, we got there and queued up and had to sign a in disclaimer and all this sort of stuff. But basically saw where the reserve section was and went and sat in the row right in front of the reserve <laughs> section right at the back. And... And they said, oh, it's What Lies Beneath, the new Robert Zemeckis film. And I was going, holy shit. And this was like, I was cool. well into Robert Zemeckis at the time. Like, you know, as post far as God. Oh, I into him. I loved him. Oh, he's great. And I saw, yeah. I saw Robert Zemeckis walking up the aisle with Steve Starkey, the producer. And he sat right behind me. And I swear to God, I was just like <laughs> on cloud nine. But despite that, and I could listen to him talking. I would have been performing. I would have been going like, what, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. But I was listening. I could listen to them throughout the film. I was I heard them commenting on the film and commenting on. They were talking about uh, Gladiator had just come out, and they were talking about the sequel to Gladiator and all this sort of they stuff. They were talking during the movie 
outrageously. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> whispering to each other and stuff like that. But That's I got not really, very professional. I know, but they, I think they were kind of saying, oh, we need to cut this or this isn't working or that beat's not working. But the, but despite me being a Robert Zemeckis fan, I, uh, I, the film just didn't work for me. I was just really irritated by all the jump scares. And afterwards, you have to fill out the questionnaire. And actually, this is my most mortifying story. Uh, you, I, you have to fill out your, like, you know, whatever, your scorecard. You drew a dick or something, did well, you? I, really, I was the last person to leave. I took it so seriously. I was like, this is as close as I'll get to making a film or participating in, in making a film. So I, like I was working in, as a waiter or whatever. I'll show them what for. But I just went, I'm going to give them everything I can to, you know, give my opinion. Not like, you know, you're wrong, but like, I really think this is what doesn't work. So I was the last person to leave myself and my buddy and uh, we're walking out through the lobby and they're ahead of me, standing in a group as Robert Zemeckis and the producers. And I immediately just went, oh God, my only chance to meet Robert Zemeckis so I got my um, I went up with my passport and I had a ticket or something and I asked him for an autograph he said oh yeah no problem and I handed him the thing and Steve Sinarchy the producer beside me turned to me and says yeah, were you in the movie? and I went yeah I was yeah and he said so what do you think of it? and I proceeded to give all my notes oh, that no I wrote will. down oh my god that's oh and I was well I really think this doesn't work and I really think that doesn't work oh, but I really like you know god. and I, I, at the end of it all I turned back to because I was I said oh, I'll have to I'll I have to be honest. And I turned back to Robert Zemeckis for my uh, autograph and he just glared at me. And I just went, oh, I'm <laughs> oh so sorry. God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I took my autograph and <laughs> walked back to Ireland. <laughs> so I was going to tell you what I learned researching this episode about the jump scare itself. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah, I love jump yeah, scares. Jump scare yeah, history. Jump scare history. I know nothing. Please So me. when I was like looking into the, the history of jump scare, there's a few films that are sort of credited yeah. with the first jump scare. The Luton bus. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh me. yay. Oh she knows cat Luton. people. Yeah. I know watched it for the first time last year. It's great. It's very good, yeah. But it's the first false jump scare it's the first one which is slightly playing the audience where it has a moment of tension where you think that she's being pursued and then it startles you where the bus comes out of nowhere and it launches into frame and it made audiences jump come on sister are you riding with me or ain't you you look as if you'd seen a ghost did you see it So I would actually say that that's the first false jump scare, the first cheap scare. And the first real jump scare is actually from the thing from another world where the guys head towards the door and they open it and you expect no one to be there. Mm -hmm. Captain, we can get to it from here through the generator room. You do go with them. But it's actually the thing is behind the door. And so it's a legitimate moment of startling horror. That is what I would consider the first true jump scare. But then you can go back even further where you go back to George Millay and the very first horror film where he has, it's called The Haunted Castle. And he has a moment where they splice in an actual skeleton appearing behind the character. It was there to make the audience jump, but you know, there's no real sound to that or or music to that. So it doesn't really sort of fit in with what we consider now to be jump scares. And Mm -hmm. also you can imagine back then where they were losing their fucking mind about a train moving towards them, that they were probably flinging Mm -hmm. shit at the walls when they saw a skeleton (laughs) pop out of nowhere. (laughs) But those are the the, sort of the three films that are credited with the the jump scares. Wow. So so when did it become like really 
kind of like over exploited or when it'll become like a big thing i'm trying to think well obviously okay my brain this is the lazy men's layman i haven't really thought about who was the guy that did the tingler castle yeah william castle william castle william castle was doing all the sort of the shocks and the scares and then hitchcock decided to uh Mm -hmm. one-up that and so psycho has two major uh jump scares we've got that's yeah the detective going up the stairs you know over the yeah Overhead shot of him walking up, and suddenly, out of nowhere, out comes who we think is Spoiler. Mrs. Bates, and attacks him, slashes him, and he falls back down the stairs. And then the other one at the very end, where the sister Vera Miles is going into the basement, and she turns yeah. on the, the corpse and bangs the the, the light. And they aged well, because I saw that on TV, like, in the 90s. Uh, probably yeah. on that Brian Redden show that we were talking about in a previous episode. You were probably too young yeah. Kate, to even know what this was. But that bright, this Brian Redden show was on um, on after late, late on a Friday night. <laughs> and it was my basically my film school, or my film education, where he just presented these classic films and gave an introduction, probably like a five-minute introduction to each film. And, like, he did a whole season of Hitchcock. And I remember watching that film, and I almost cacked the pants on both of those. <laughs> I can still remember the moment of like the terror, the, the the energy of Mrs. Bates coming out of the landing, charging at the detective. It's the detective, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think, um, I do think they're still effective. I kind of have a funny situation that my mm-hmm. girlfriend hates horror movies. So she is kind of, since we've, we were going out for six years. Right. So over that time, I've gradually got her to watch some. But there was a lot of films she hadn't seen that, like, mm. you know, yeah. most people would have seen, like Psycho, for example. And, you know, she would be very scared of stuff. But she, um, like, yeah, both those bits, she was jumping out of her seat, even though, you know, I don't think they date. Yeah. I think maybe if you know them so well, they obviously, like, aren't going to be as effective. But I think they still are effective to That's somebody who might not have seen it. The other one I, I forgot to mention is Repulsion, the Polanski film where she closes yeah. the mirror and mm, ever since yeah. then that one has become so much of a trope it's almost as ubiquitous yeah. as the cat jumping up that was the late 60s wasn't it sorry <laughs> yeah. not a cat in this room alright okay 65 <laughs> but um Kate when I asked you what your favourite jump scares are you said you couldn't narrow it down but I'd love to hear what, what you was on your list, what you thought were some of the all-time bangers for you. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking about it and I think, yeah, the most effective, like the ones where it's uh, like seared into my brain from being a kid, I think are, you know, probably some of the ones that are on the, that kind of top ones that most people would know. Yeah. But I think one movie, which I, looking back, I went to look at it again, the clips, and looking back now, I'm like, oh, maybe these aren't very effective jump scares at all. But I think watching it at the time... I just really got freaked out by it. So Sixth Sense came out when I was about nine and we rented it at a sleepover of about like 10 preteen girls. Um, (laughs) And we watched it three times in this one night. Was that to master your fear of it? (laughs) Yeah, we just were like, we needed to watch it three times because we were like, some girls wouldn't watch bits. They wouldn't watch scenes. They kept walking out. We were like, we're going to watch it all the way through. We will rob the power from this film. Yeah. (laughs) Was there one girl there who was like, you know, please, I just don't want to watch this. And you're like, oh, you are watching it. And if you don't watch it the whole way through, we'll watch it again. It was three times that you watched it. What's that scene though? Yeah, well, there was two. So it's basically the two that has young Misha Barton in it. You know, Mm -hmm. she's a girl who's getting poisoned. That's like the storyline of it. But basically, 
there's one where he's in his little tent that he makes at home. Yeah. And you, his breath starts to go cold. So you know there's a, definitely a ghost somewhere because we've kind of given that cue already. And then he gets into his tent to be safe. And then all the clips on his tent start popping so good. open. And it goes to the, her and she's puking like in his tent. And I think it's just like it was I remember at the time I was absolutely terrified by it. And then later he goes to her funeral and she grabs his leg from under his under her bed. See, I think that's a yeah. great jump scare. I think it, yeah. it misdirects you because you, you're looking at I think you're looking at um is it clothes in the closet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where your your eye is drawn to that and suddenly the arm shoots out from under the, the cot. Yeah, I think it was just at the time and like I think just I think jump scares as well stick with you if you see them in a group of people who are gonna be screaming more. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you're like, you know, it's the kind of um effect of just like other people screaming around you. Um, but yeah, that was one I think really stuck with me when I was a kid. Um, I think it was because she was a kid and he's a kid in it, and they were kind of like same age as me when I watched it. And I think it just kind of was quite disturbing. Yeah. And what I love about that tent one is because I only watched that scene again recently, and uh, it's what I, we're right in describing as the blocking of it or the camera move where you're on him, as you just described the, the the breath, but it's one camera move where the camera looks up and follows the pegs, and it's like drawing your eye to where eventually you you kind of she comes out of this corner of the screen, and it's just a, so effective. I think it's really really good. Those are the only moments of real horror in that film, aren't they? Well, there's also he gets dragged into that little cupboard at the oh, boys' yeah. party, oh, yeah. and then the scary oh, ghost kind of like attacks. Them. Yeah, that was really disturbing. Oh, that's so traumatizing. Yeah. Oh, and the the moment where he sees the people uh, in the courthouse, like he looks up and he just sees people hanging in the oh, courthouse. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a you good bit. That? It's a long shot. And it's like, oh my god! And it's the poor. Oh, I'm I'm actually genuinely getting tingles. That's how kind of like I'm. You just you remind know. me of it follows, which um, it's a more recent one, but I don't know whether you can count it as a jump scare but that jump cut from uh, the opening sequence where the girl is on the phone to her dad and she's saying I love you I just wanted you and mom to know how much I love you I'm sorry and I love you and what have you and it does that very hard cut to just her body in bits on the beach Mm. yeah that was really unsettling yeah, I think when you were saying they're the last films that kind of got you in the cinema, I think It Follows was probably the the last film I saw in a cinema where, you know, I genuinely felt nervous watching it. Yeah. Oh, right. it's a great yeah. film. It's really good. The last one to yeah. have gotten me like that was I saw Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas when I was about 17 and um, didn't know anything about it. It was just sitting down taking in what was a really compelling sort of a spooky 70s horror film um, with Olivia Hussey and uh, Margot Kidder and what have you, Cara Delay as well. And uh, the moment at the end uh, when she's alone in the house and she's been getting prank calls all evening and she goes upstairs and she looks in on Margot Kidder who's sleeping in the bed or she thinks she's sleeping. And behind the, the, the door jam, the sort of slit in the door, there's the eye of a man who's standing behind it looking directly back at her. Ah! 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 
And I just remember it felt like my face had caught fire and that someone had poured ice water down my back. <laughs> where I just thought, oh, Jesus, no. And uh, she makes a run for it and the whole finale takes place after that. But I couldn't replicate that sense of sickening dread with any other horror film since. That, happened, that actually happened to me and a friend once. We, I was, we were in my granny's house when we were um, about 13, 14. We were standing in the kitchen, which had a garage door attached to the garage. And we were just making tea. And I, we looked to the crack in the garage door and there was a face, a person's face, staring at us. And a real both, face? Yeah. We both screamed and ran. And it turns out someone had broken into oh, the garage Jesus. and was like, oh, Jesus Christ. In the garage. But it was like a genuine, true oh, jump scare moment God. of life that I will never forget. <laughs> you were actually in a real horror movie. That's not oh, a fake. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Okay. So was it a night or daytime? When was it? Nighttime, nighttime. Oh, so there was someone like your, was there, fit with her face close up to the door, just kind of peering in it? Like literally just like looking out the crack. Exactly. Oh, Jesus Christ. At us. It was awful. Oh, yeah. God. So they, you saw them and they ran. Okay. Yeah. They obviously ran when we screamed and then we oh, ran into my granny Christ. and granddad. Yeah. Oh my God, right. See, you see, this is why I don't, I haven't gone to the cinema since 2007. <laughs> this is seriously why. Two horror films. Oh my, yeah, two, I haven't seen a horror film in a cinema since 2007. <laughs> Wow, you've missed a lot mm-hmm. of good horror films. I w- what was the last horror film you saw? It was going to, it's going to be my pick, actually. So I'll share it with you. Oh, amazing! And it was, and it frightened me so much. I just went, you know what? I I enjoy I enjoy all genre film, and I enjoy horror films. Oh my god! I really I want to guess this. No, two thousand seven horror films. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, Let me look at my notes it's, here. It's, it's not. It's not. Um. It's not Brams. The no, little boy. That thing. was afterwards. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh God! I'll give you a clue. What was it? It was it was a Spanish film, The Orphanage. Oh, yeah, it was The Orphanage. That's a great. That's movie. a genuinely scary and one. That was great the film movie. that stopped me going to um to see horror films in the cinema because the sense I I, lo- I loved the film. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. For people who don't know what the film is about, it's about an orphanage. It's about. A woman, and she basically brings her family back to her childhood her childhood home, which was which used to be an orphanage. Um, but it's not long before her son begins to communicate with an invisible friend, and bad things happen. And it is so creepy. The moments that my jump scare, and that's a film that had genuine like um, ghost story kind of like fear. You know, it wasn't jump scare. It had jump scares. It's one of the very rare films where the kids are scary. There've been a lot of movies with supposedly scary children and even the omen and what have you they i'm not scared of those kids but that one i was scared yeah yeah and it utilizes right the jump scare it had right so the scene i'm thinking of is a scene where mother and father are stuck in traffic and they see a woman elderly lady pushing a buggy that's of interest to them across the the zebra crossing and they immediately recognize her and it's just like Oh my God, it's her, it's her. And the mother gets out of the car to call to her. And an overutilized thing happens where the uh, woman turns and looks at her and she gets hit by a truck or a lorry, right? So that's one jump scare. And it's like, it's so overdone now that it's Mm -hmm. just so, it's passe. So what happens, but that's not where the jump scare for me um, that kind of drove me from the cinema was. It's 
After that, the follow-up from that is there's this woman's body on the ground. Her husband is giving it CPR, and he just looks up after giving her CPR, and he's got blood all over his face, and he just looks at his wife. There's a crowd gathered around, and she, he just shakes his head as in, no, there's no chance uh, that she's she's dead, like, you know. And uh, some man puts his coat over this woman's face. We don't see her face. We just see this, like, uh, this, like whistle around her neck. So the the mother mm. goes, uh, leans down, gently leans down at this woman who's dead, her face covered, and she reaches down to touch the necklace around her neck, and all of a sudden the woman just grabs her hand. The dead woman grabs her hand. <laughs> and the coat is pulled off her face, and oh my God, her her face is just, her jaws ripped off her face, and it's just, that was the moment. I lost my popcorn. I lost my popcorn. <laughs> Went over three rows. That was me. And I wanted to leave, but I also wanted to stay. I love yeah. it. Mm, that was it for me. The first film to do that, actually, you know, where somebody gets slammed by a, a vehicle out of nowhere, just coming out of nowhere, was actually Bride of Chucky. Oh, really? Oh. Nobody move! <gasps> Doesn't get the credit for that, because the Final Destination gets the credit for that. What year was Bride of Chucky? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What year was Bride of... That works too. 98. Get this heap of shit moving. Now! Now! Oh. And because Final Destination. I think it was 2000. I want to bring up a film where I saw the set's gag being used, but I think it might be after that. Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black has the... It's not a horror Yeah, film. but that's comical. That's comical. Not for me. for <laughs> me. <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus my God. Christ. It's like... It's the fact that he gets hit twice. It's too silly. Oh, well, you see, that's the it's difference between boing, you and me, boing. Kevin, right? I, I have I have empathy, and you have like, going, ah, oh, he got hit twice, you idiot. <laughs> hit him again. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Realistic horror... It makes me sick. It makes me queasy. I can't. I can't handle it. But the horror movies where it's heightened and it's over the top and it's startling and it's supernatural almost. Um, that's fine for me. But like, do you remember the death in the, the talented Mr. Ripley? I can't. I watched it the other day, actually. Matt Damon belts Jude Law across the head with an oar. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he turns around and he immediately he's got this look of shock on his face, and then yeah. he just pales and this blood starts pouring. That to me made me sick. Yeah, and even even at the end, the ending where he he spoiler alert mm-hmm. um, strangles his new lover, but you don't actually see it. In my memory of watching the film, I was always like imagining it, and, I, and then when we rewatched it the other day, it was like you don't actually ever see him do anything. You just hear the sound of him doing it, um, and it's really chilling. Yeah, it's good, great movie. Who are you? Huh? Some third-class mooch. Who are you? Who are you to say anything to me? Who are you to tell me anything? Actually, I really, really do not want to be on this boat with you. I can't move without shut you up. moving. Shut gives me the creeps. You give me the creeps. You can't you move shut without dicky, 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 like a little girl all the time. Shut up. Oh. But that wasn't, that's, I don't think that's played for a jump scare. I think that's just like a, no, a straight no. shot, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The Conjuring films have a really great uh, sequence, which I think it's all built around the jump scare, but it, it's so good and so effective. They use it in the trailer even to sell the film, but it's so good and so effective. I think that it actually launched that whole franchise, that if they didn't have that clap sequence in the first Conjuring film, where Lily Taylor is following the clap around the house, thinking it's the kids, and it, it leads her down towards the basement, where she's basically in the dark with a, with a lit match. 
and suddenly the hands come up from behind the rear and clap. If he didn't have that, I don't know that that franchise, which has made a billion at this point, would exist. Yeah. So you can credit a jump scare for that. My favourite jump scare in the first Conjuring movie is actually, it's set up with the clap because earlier when she's playing the game with the kids, the clap comes out of a closet or wardrobe. The doors open and it comes out of the clothes. Yeah. But it's in the far background, kind of out of focus. So you just see it as the audience, but she doesn't realise and she walks towards it but then it kind of deflates the scene and like we go on to the next thing but then the two girls are in that room later and the older one goes up to the wardrobe to open it and as an audience member you're like no inside the wardrobe the clapping hands were there earlier hands are going to come out and grab her into the wardrobe so that's what you're kind of like thinking is going to happen so it's great misdirection because then the younger one looks up at the top of the wardrobe and then this demon spirit witch woman flies off the top of the wardrobe, basically like pouncing on the girls. And like, I, I remember I saw that in the cinema and it, everyone screamed. Because I think just the uh, good jump scares, I think, are any that kind of misdirect you. So you think yeah. A is going to happen, but B actually does. Yeah. Because like, I feel like audiences are smart enough to know you're setting up this one. But then, yeah, it's kind of, if you can find a way to make them believe this and then yeah it's like as john carpenter always does it's it's the next one it's not the one that you expect it's the one right after yeah. that that gets yeah. you kid i want to know you, you you probably have a long list and i'd love to hear a couple of more of your from your list before you get to your um pick best bit there's a i guess the, the thing was their big one do you know when he does the cpr and then his hands oh, fall in yes Well, I think it's it's hard with jump scares. Well, I was thinking this earlier. Is like your favorite jump scare or what scared you the most? Because I think there's kind of different ones. Because I think there's some that there I I want to hear both. Well, I think when I watched um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, oh yeah, I, oh, I was yeah. probably like fourteen, I think. And um, um, that's too young. That's way yeah. too young. But what can you do? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what moment in that? So it's just was it just the door? Yeah, it's where she go. So the guy goes into the house to get like fuel for the car, and then his, the girl is waiting outside. Anybody home? And then he doesn't come out for a minute. So then she starts calling him, and she goes into the house. Her. And Leatherface just yeah. pulls the door back, comes in, and just grabs her. And just like the performance of that of him, just like Horrible. he just grabs her, and it's so like not graceful at all it's just like so animalistic or something i remember yeah, just yeah. feeling like oh there's no escape like he's got you it's like and it was just the shock of him like coming out and just like and then he puts her on a hook horrible ridley scott said that's the only film that he's seen that felt dangerous in what sense in that it just felt like you shouldn't be watching this this is going to fuck you up yeah but for me when it became on band in Ireland. I must have been at 18 when I watched it. And it had gotten legendary status where it's like one of the, the most ruthlessly bleak and terrifying films ever made. And I decided, well, I'm going to game it here. I'm going to sit down and watch this in broad daylight so it can't beat me. And the moment when the guy goes into the house Hello? and Letterface <laughs> clobbers him across the head with, with the fucking mallet or whatever he's using and brains him... And he's on the floor and his body is twitching and then he drags him in and slams that door. 
I thought, no, I'm out. I can't do this. I can't watch it. I can't. I'll have to come back later. This is, it was fucking me up too much. I was in college when I saw that, uh, probably when it was unbanned as well. And uh, I was watching it in my friend's apartment, who was a six foot four Danish Viking. I've heard the story. Right? <laughs> and... And like, I was there petrified watching this and he was just, just wiggling his toes, giggling. Oh, this is funny. Oh yeah, my ancestors do this all the time. And when the film had finished, he obviously could see I was really just going. Sweating. I actually, I, I had to walk home in the dark. I had to walk home in the dark. And um, he's all his lights were off and he disappeared down his hallway. And I could hear him imitating the turning on of a, of a chainsaw. And he went, brum, brum. And he was making the sound himself, brum. And I was like, telling him i said you better fucking stop right now and i heard he says i'm coming brum brum and he came charging out of the dark wielding <laughs> some sort of stick like mimicking the sound of a chainsaw so kate was that the one that scared you the most um i think yeah that was i think texas chainsaw massacre i found to be a very scary film as you said there it feels kind of it's almost, I think it's just the Leatherface's performance. It feels almost too real in a way, like yeah. during the movie, that it was kind of got to me when I watched it. Um, I was pretty scared of that movie. Yeah, yeah and still. If, it does feel like you're watching something real. Yeah. There's something like, there's a terror captured in it that you go, oh, no, I don't want to watch this. I, I feel this is, you're, you're watching something that's... Good old Toby Hooper. Mm. He, uh, he got me more than a few I times wasn't. in his career. Salem's Lot, I remember. Oh, oh my yeah. God. That was one where I was hiding behind the couch, cushion mm-hmm. up the face, can't watch it. Look at me. And Poltergeist has got some yeah. cracking ones. It's got the classic one of don't look under the bed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're mm-hmm. expecting that something's going to be under there. And then, of course, you, you, <laughs> he looks up and there's a fucking marionette clone type thing, which is just uh, trying to strangle him. Why would anyone keep those types of toys in the house? They're so fucking creepy. Yeah, definitely. So what I'll do right before I let you tell us what your favourite one is, I'll tell you what the most popular ones were on Twitter. And we can sort of knock those ones out because it was the same sort of like five or six that kept coming up again and again. And stop me, Kate, if it is your favourite, if anyone... Well, I'm worried uh, my favourite might be your favourite, Kevin. So that's my worry. Do you know what? When we had Kieran Foy on, we both went with for kid protagonists. We both went with ET. So almost, almost three of us went for ET. <laughs> I only did an audible at the. I went. No, maybe they'll go for ET. So I, I was originally going to go for Henry Henry Thomas. So I'm not sure you, you you we'll have the same one though because I still don't know what mine is. So okay, I'm, I'm, okay. Go after Kate then. Okay, so there's Wait Until Dark. It's the Audrey Hepburn movie where it's very similar to the one from Exorcist Three. <laughs> which is somebody lunges and comes at the character from behind. Both of those came up again and again and again. Yeah. So Exorcist 3, I think, would be the number one that people have mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Carrie and Friday the 13th, hands lunging out of either the grave or out of the lake. They came up again and again and again. That's one I find to be a kind of a cheap one. Because I think it's, Both of them. you kind of feel a bit like pranked as an audience member. You're like, don't just throw in 
a jump scare at the very end just to get us. <laughs> Kate, I'm with you. Neither of those films, and this is probably blasphemous, neither of those films really meant anything to me. And I, sh- I watched them at the right age in my teens and late teens. And I just went, meh. But this is to carry as well. I just went, eh, maybe it's, I should rewatch it now. I don't know. It's also Brian De Palma. I have a Brian De Palma. I think I have a... Poor old Brian Devan doesn't get it. You're prejudicial against Brian Devan. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. I don't know why. There's the lawnmower moment in Sinister where uh, they're doing those sort of snuff films and Mm. you're you're seeing the point of view of somebody pushing a lawnmower at full velocity in the dark and suddenly they come across a head buried up to their their neck in the ground and you think, Oh my God. I don't like that. Mulholland Drive. The dumpster hag. Yeah, yeah. Behind the, the sort of wow. the diner. That's my drag name. <laughs> Hereditary. Hereditary. Oh my God, that, that didn't scare me, but I did actually audibly say in the cinema, what the fuck? Because I couldn't believe that they'd done that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the, the standout thing for Hereditary is definitely that sequence. And then, and then the end jump scares are good fun, but they're a bit more kind of conjuring world kind yeah. of level of just like misdirect and then she runs out from the shadows mm. kind of thing but i that film freaked me out as well yeah it's dark sloth in seven. Oh, that's he wakes a great up. one yeah i love that and it's not really a horror film seven. Oh, when he wakes up but, you know yeah yeah, yeah okay. it gets you uh and then there yeah. was a couple that i added to the list that weren't uh, mentioned by others um one of them was the blob moment when the guy is putting his hands on the sink and the thing snatches onto his head and pulls him down the sink with it. Uh, that fucked my shit up when I was a kid. Tight, tight fit. <laughs> it is. Um, and right. Dan Aykroyd's reveal at the opening of the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, yeah. When he, he oh my God. tells him to pull over and he, he says, do you want to see something really scary? You, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is this is really, really scary now. I trust you. Okay, pull the car over. Pull the car over? Ooh. Scare me. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. I've never seen that, actually. Just that tiny little it's moment just, at the beginning. Yeah. What are you doing? It's a, it's a big one. Oh, and the batteries in Charles Play. When she's um, she opens the back of the doll and she sees it's got no batteries and the head spins around. Play. I love those little moments. Mm. So those are some of the you know, popular ones on Twitter. For someone who, like myself, I'm kind of, I'm kind of averse to watching horror movies, I've seen most of those. So um, I'm not doing so bad. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Yeah. Not too shabby. So your one didn't come up, Kate? Not in those, no. Well, here we go. Okay. It's getting okay. exciting, though. It's like an ultimate classic. It's just like, I couldn't not pick it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know where this is. I don't know where you're going with this. Well, it's, I, I don't even know. Um, Here we go. Drum roll. So it's in my favorite movie, which is Jaws. Oh. <laughs> Get out the gong. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm such a cliche. What can I say? No, no you're it's not like, at all. It's, it's I seminal. just think it's, it's the ultimate yeah. jump scare. There's a, so it's the Ben Gardner's boat scene. Yes. So they're out at night and yeah. they're on the water. Everyone knows it. But he, um, Hooper goes down to dive to look at the boat wreck. And I think it's so great because obviously you're expecting the shark 
and then yeah. his face comes into view. <laughs> And it's a proper scare. Yeah. Which was a late addition. Yeah, I heard it was that they added that in later. Yeah. Because if you watch the film and you remove that moment from the film, the, the, the scene that follows it where Brody and Hooper are talking to the mayor, they are explaining everything except finding the severed head. So he's like saying, I caught a tooth this big. I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You, sh- you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Brody? No, I didn't see it. He, he dropped it. Yet. I had an accident. Way in. And he's like, you don't happen to have that tooth on you. It's like, no, I dropped it. And as I said to you, Will, on the audio commentary, would you not want to mention that you also found Ben Gardner's severed head? I think that's the more compelling evidence here. Another person has died on the yeah. beaches. Um, he never mentions yeah. it because they added it after the film was finished. It's great. It's a great one, it, though. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And it's still, I think we, me and my friends watched Jaws on um, during the summer on the kind of outdoor projector. Yeah. And it's still so good. You know, I think that's why I was trying to quantify for the choice for today was that you can still watch it and like it gives you kind of still a thrill when you see it. Yeah. And it's a perfect example of Jaws is a film that many, many people would regard as a perfect film, a masterpiece. And it's got one of the definitive jump scares in it. So that should tell you if if they're going to include those in that kind of film, they're valid. They're uh, and real moments. It, it ages it, it's aged so like well like as in it's a film that's you just I think I could show it to my kids now and they will be riveted by it and um, when we rewatched it this summer um, for audio commentaries like I was just transfixed absolutely transfixed by it and it goes to show like how how much of an influence Spielberg has had on like you know so many filmmakers just so many you know you're another person we keep bringing up Spielberg and I'm constantly trying to not bring up Spielberg because you know he's just made so many great films in so many genres that's an honest and good and uh, and I think a completely honourable pick <laughs> thank you well done when did you what age were you when you saw that can I ask I'm just curious two I I <laughs> I was kind of obsessed with the idea of Jaws because I I was very interested in sharks when I was growing up and I used to beg my mum to let me watch it because obviously I'd been out for many years um, at that stage but she was like no you're too young you're too young you have to watch it and I think around my eighth or ninth birthday she let me do a viewing of it on my birthday for my friends I was always right. getting in trouble with all the other girls mothers because I used, to, that was me I used as well. to be like showing them films they definitely shouldn't be watching <laughs> <laughs> my son's been asking about Jaws he's just he's he's just wants to watch it I'm going he's just seven and it's just like nah man hold off here's my theory if you show a kid horror films too young then it gets its hooks into them and they'll become obsessed with them and they'll probably end up working in the film business so uh you need to make that call for yourself. Where do you want it? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> wait till he's 18. <laughs> Where films just don't have that. any uh, impact on him. It's like, mm, it's a movie. If you watch it at the right age, yeah. though, it's like movies are everything. <laughs> Kevin, what about, you? what about your pick? So this is really hard for me because mm. there's one that genuinely scared the bejesus out of me. 
but it feels like it's it's a little too obvious of a pick because of the time that we're in, which is Halloween. And uh, it's the moment in Carpenter's classic. There's two of them. There's the one where he opens the closet and the guy comes, Michael Myers comes storming out, pins the the boyfriend up against the the kitchen wall and impales him with a knife. But the one that really fucking got me was the moment when the best friend goes to to get into the car to go meet her boyfriend and she's forgotten the keys and she goes back and you know that he is watching her. And when she comes back, she opens the car door without the keys and she gets into the car and you realise that she's gotten in and the door was unlocked. So who's oh. unlocked the door? And as she's sitting there, she sort of, the car. she wipes the condensation <laughs> off the windscreen and oh, thinks, no. why is the car all fogged up? And then he pops up from behind her and Uh-oh. strangles her. And it's a, it's such a eerie, creepy, like scary moment. And I think it began my whole obsession with films and with, with horror films especially, where it's like, that was just such a, a moment. But what? the one that I was going to mention, because nobody else mentioned it, and I think the reason nobody else has mentioned it is because the film itself is so embedded in pop culture that the moment doesn't work anymore. Okay. But it is the chestburster scene from Alien. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Now, if you were unaware of that and you're in the cinema and you're watching that for the first time mm. and that thing pops out of his chest, I think that's going to scare the fuck out of you. And that's going to be like the ultimate jump scare that you can think of in films. But because we've had all the sequels and we know what the life cycle is, you're almost expecting it. You're almost watching that, like mm-hmm. the the Janet Lee murder in Psycho. You know it's coming. So it doesn't have any sort of... um. It doesn't startle you. What I love, what are you just described there, kind of like, because I don't really think about jump scares too much, but you described the difference. We're talking about bad jump scares and good jump scares. And for me, bad jump scares are literally just, they turn the volume up and it's just like, bah, and just something comes out at you. But from what you described there was the point of view, where it's it's the audience, the audience's point of view is the audience that you have there and the audience is, is putting together the pieces before the victim is. And Yeah, you just, you don't want to be in that space yeah. anymore. You're, you're, what is a jump scare? It's you set an unsettling mood. You have this build up, which is almost like the setup in a in a joke, and the jump scare then is the punchline. But you have to have a moment where the character is aware that they're in an unsafe situation and they are anticipating something, and then you misdirect the audience. You're tense, you're stressed, it's you know something bad's gonna happen and you're just <laughs> waiting for it to and hit. And there's a logic to it because you're describing the logic of the condensation on the, the windshield mm. and all of those pieces where we go, we know what's there. We know exactly what's there, but the moment is coming rather than just being a, he could if it was a bad slasher movie, he would have just, you wouldn't have any of that. He would have just strangled her, you know, but it's the anticipation. Is, uh, is yeah, so it's vital. that moment in a, in a dark, creepy house when you hear the floorboards creak or you hear a door go, and the character goes, hello? Anybody home? Yeah. And you realise, okay, we're now in a jump scare sequence. Something is about to happen. Or even in Kate's pick, like, you know, when he, when when, he, when you're going underwater, you're expecting the shark. Or you're expecting something to come out of the water around him, but you don't expect, expect something to appear in that bleak crack right in front of him because he's just, it's the misdirect of the tooth. And you go, oh my God, it's a shark's tooth. He's somewhere here. And you don't see, you don't expect a face. So, um yeah. So I think we nailed it, but because it's Halloween and it's this, my favourite time of the year, even more than Christmas, uh, 
I thought I'd get you two guys to recommend a horror film for people to watch for the weekend that's in it. You just want me to say grabbers. That's all you want me to say. It's just grabbers. <laughs> it's just that's definitely yeah. If I don't say grabbers, it's just going to be, and why didn't you say grabbers? <laughs> I wouldn't even call grabbers a, um, a horror movie. It's a, it's a monster movie. It's, it's Actually, but I would recommend grabbers because we did watch it for one of our, we do watch a horror movie on Halloween. And, um, or, or what I like to say, I forced my wife to watch a horror movie on Halloween so and, and myself as well. And one year we did do, whenever Grabbers came out and was on, um, I said, oh, we, we should watch it. It is actually loads of fun. So it is actually, it's it's a perfect horror oh, Halloween shocks. movie for people. <laughs> I mean, this is quite sincere. For people who are like me, who are just get re- don't want to be completely scaredy terrified. Cats. Yeah, scaredy cats, but also want to be entertained. Grabbers is a good pick. Really good fun. Do you know what the, the one moment in that film that made every cinema no matter where we saw the film jump well and it's not even a legit jump scare it was sort of me putting in a a joke but it's um the moment when they're they're about to head downstairs and they're giving lisa the nail gun to arm herself and she's so drunk and she's got to go down the stairs and move through all the little grablings and um get outside to get the jeep and they hand her the nail gun and she fires it off by mistake and the nail shoots into the wall right beside um, uh, the barman's head. And every audience we were at, everyone just went like, <gasps> no like way. that was too dangerous. And I don't know what it was. I think it's just like you watch a movie and you see someone get a paper cut. You just go like, ouch. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah it, it's the, the one moment that made every audience jump. That's great. Right. If you get in trouble, Pull the trigger. Oh, savage. Oh, careful. You missed. Kate, if you were to recommend a horror film for the for Halloween, what would you what would you go with? Uh, Aside from your own. Uh yeah. I mean, maybe. But uh I <laughs> I I usually I me and my friends we do thirty well, when we were kinda younger we used to do thirty horrors in thirty days. So we used to try and watch thirty horror films, but now with life and jobs and stuff, that's a bit more difficult. So I try to watch a lot of horror movies during the month of October. So by the time I get to the 31st, I kind of just want to watch Hocus Pocus. So I usually just watch Hocus Pocus on Halloween night. From Walt Disney Pictures, after 300 years, the Sanderson witches are back and running amok. Are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating? Hocus Pocus, rated PG. But I think a uh, Scream Double Bill is always good too. Scream 1, Scream 2. Those are classics. As a classic, yeah. I have to do that. I really have to do that. Can I tell you where a jump scare in Scream 2 uh, ruined my night? Go on. Yes. I took a, a girl I was working with, an Italian girl, uh, on a date to see Scream 2. And um, the moment where they're both trapped in the backseat of the police car oh, and yeah. they're trying to get out... It's such a great tense sequence and they're climbing over the unconscious ghost face in the, in the front seat. But once they get out and he doesn't leap up at them, this sort of delay of what you expect to happen, the best friend uh, runs on ahead and she stops and uh, Sydney, the main character, says, I want to take his mask off. I need to see who it is. And... As Sydney is about to reach in to take the mask off, I leaned over to the to the girl and I was about to whisper into her ear, I bet he's going to jump out from behind the, the stacks of wood. But I mistimed it, so I leaned over to her what? ear, he jumped out and I screamed into her ear. 
And you know when a movie is like, it's ramping up, you can't actually hear what someone's saying to you. So she looked at me and she was like, um, why did you do that? And I was trying to explain, no, I meant to, but I couldn't, she couldn't hear me. So I had to wait until the film was over. But, uh, Awkward. Oh, oh no. But that was a, that was a great, Scream 2, I think, is one of the most fun films you can watch with a, with a willing audience. Oh, man. I yeah, I it. think Halloween is about fun, mostly. So I, I kind of prefer to watch just like campy fun movies on actual Halloween night. Because I think it, that, that's Absolutely. That, yeah. Okay. So there you go. You've got, well, I didn't recommend the horror, so I should probably recommend one. Halloween, the original Halloween, the the original, the greatest. And if not that, An American Werewolf in London. That's also a really fun one with some great jump scares. Mm. Uh, now we've got to find out what your episode is going to be next week, Will. And uh, Kate, I've sent you the app there uh, for our big decision wheel, the best bit scene wheel. I have it here. So, and if you want to give it a spin. Okay. I'm genuinely excited. This is genuine excitement right now. So genuine. I genuinely just read out what what happens. Yeah, just hit spin. And when it goes around, you, you just... Uh... Okay. And actually, if it's one that we've already done, don't read that out and spin it, spin it again, because I need to prune that wheel. <laughs> uh, best who done it scene. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, excellent. I'm, Lots of Agatha you know, Christie movies. Yeah. I, Lives um, out, you know. Um, yeah. Thanks. A really, really good one. Clue. Clue. Oh, we've covered Clue in season one. Clue's come up in uh, season one, so that one's... That's that's almost a spoof of uh, whodunit movies, though, but I love that uh, film. Yeah. Oh, God. It's okay. Right. I have to put my thinking cap on because I really haven't... Uh, Clue. <laughs> This is going to be a TED Talk. That's a great category. TED Talk and Agatha Christie. And, Did uh, you know George Malay was the first person to introduce the whodunit into cinema? <laughs> um, oh, Kate, okay, thank you. where can people find you uh, online? Online? Um, yeah, I have a Twitter. Or in Twitter. general, if you want to um, give out your address. And- <laughs> Walking on the street. Um, yeah. In my dumpster hag. Uh, get up. No, um, yeah. I... You can follow my Twitter, which is at Kat Dolan, um, which is C-A-A-T-D-O-L-A-N. And that will probably have updates of what I'm doing and, and maybe just some tweets about cats or um, <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, where are all these fucking cats coming from? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was worried when you were like, oh yeah, there's going to be cats uh, in the... In the. I was like, oh right, because uh, I have two cats and they don't like when I close the door of the office and sometimes they meow at the door because they want to be allowed to see everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you might get some real life uh, cat sound effects. I have the same issue. I have I have a very clingy... just uh, not, not even a clingy cat, just a cat who just doesn't like being excluded. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> let me in. I want to. I want to observe. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I have some really, really angry cats, and I, I don't know where they've come from, but <laughs> they keep jumping out of closets. <laughs> they're called camera cats. They're just, they're just following you because you deserve it. Oh no! <laughs> but uh. <laughs> You can follow us at Best Bits Pod uh, under Twitter. And um, as we say every week, well, uh, give us a review, a nice review, because that bumps us up the charts. And look out for Kate's film, You Are Not My Mother, yes. coming soon. Yes, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Best Who Done It Scene. Yay! 
back next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call acting. Oh, great. The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. Hello? Hello? Is, is there someone there? Come here to me, uh, little cunt. Hanging no, up Papa, on me. No. I'll stick you. No! You gotta be fucking kidding. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits with Will and Kevin. No, the best bits with Kevin and Willem. With the films and the, with the TV and the latest films, something, 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 something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. <laughs> so okay. You can't you know, what? <laughs> oh my god! I I did a whole Irish theme. The best place I can Van Willem talking TV and the latest. Okay, right. I'm gonna find the fucking thing because it's gonna be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it, that'll do. Because it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened. <laughs> I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, yeah. of course, I was delighted with that. And people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy on the ears in, a, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried that. my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm, I'm, I'm Hogwarts and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly what did you do. So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off this stage. I've not, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God. I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. The best is Kevin Willem. About the telly and the latest film. Talking shy, they're the dynamic duo. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off this stage, old dad. <laughs> That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And does, I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean or I need to be in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, <laughs> I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about. Should I start the timer? Have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rare to go. 
I saw Madam Web. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Web film, and I'm. What is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies but I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together so is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse to me it feels like it's in that space mm. anyway I thought I'm done with superhero movies I'm just over them I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago and I thought it was just tedious you thinking it's so of lifeless the Marvels not Captain Marvel is that what Marvels well yeah. she's in it Captain Marvel Captain yeah. Marvel 2 it was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and mm-hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films. Where I feel like uh, yes, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels It's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh wow I just I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry It feels like eating plastic Okay On the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them Yet I found The Flash really fun because it was—it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of The Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went into Madame Web not really giving a fuck about the genre but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from Dakota Johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition and I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage and uh, the film itself to me played like a Final Destination action thriller and I thought it was really pleasant it didn't bother me in the slightest I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has it was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just played that out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And... I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, and you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but... Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> oh, I have to listen to it. He was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Cathy was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Cathy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I thought... <laughs> But you That's know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, 
It's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the the credits. And I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Thank you.